Welcome, everyone, to our Every Other Thursday podcast, where we cover the wide world of food service and hospitality. Our hosts cover both the relevant news of the moment and we invite key industry experts in for conversations that are informative, enlightening, and entertaining. Every Other Thursday is an approximately 40 to 50 minute conversation presented bi weekly by Tabletop Journal. Now, here's your host of Every Other Thursday, Dave Turner. everyone and welcome back to our every other thursday podcast by the way this is episode number 26 of every other thursday and it's being recorded the week of october 29th 2020 i'm dave and i'm your host here at every other thursday and this week i'm here as usual with my colleagues jay alley and greg Kirsch. gentlemen how are you both today fine everything good no covid no nothing everything's okay copacetic thank goodness no covid doing great Jay, how about you in uh, Pennsylvania? Everything? I'm sorry to report I've been I've been diagnosed with a case of QVC, but I'm all right. <laughs> QVC, that's better than the COVID-19, yeah. I think. Just coming out of KP. There you go. <laughs> I want to start off t- this week, by the way, just wish you both to get it out of the way. A happy Halloween week. I know it's one of your favorite holidays, both of you together. So, uh, you know, I, I know that you guys are lo- uh, big Halloween people. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, a lot of trick-or-treaters coming around this year during COVID. But you're going to wish us happy anniversary. I am. That's funny you say that because that's my next thing I was going to say. Bigger than even the Halloween holiday is our holiday. This is, listeners, I'm telling you, this is a a great feat. We we weren't sure we were going to make it, but we made it through one whole year of every other Thursday. So congratulations to you guys uh, for getting us through the year. Happy anniversary. Thank you. We'll be waiting for our fruit baskets. Yeah, fruit baskets will be on their way. Check your front porch any day now. Certainly, a lot has changed for us all. You got to admit, I mean, yeah. our industry has gone upside down, and we've changed a lot with it, I think, too. I think uh, when you go back and you think about where we started and where we are now with every other Thursday, I'm really excited about the changes. And uh, I think that some of the things that we've done in the last three, four, five months have been just, you know, really, first of all, they've been timely, but the guests have really added a lot to what we're, ta- what we're all about here at every other Thursday, don't you think? Yes, they do. Tremendous changes. Yeah. You guys have any thoughts about the, uh, you know, I don't want to get too sanctimonious here or whatever, but we're celebrating one year. Any any great moments that stand out in your minds? Jay, how about you? Actually, probably so many that it's hard to grab one. I mean, I know we talked about the interview with Madeline and but there's been so many great guests. And, uh, you know, I, I don't I'm so old that I don't know how to do Twitter and Facebook, but I hear that. We're getting a lot of good play on that. And so love. A lot of people talking, to, talking about us, and that's great. And, we, and I think I think one of the most important things, though, is seeing it's our anniversary, is whoever is out there that listens to us, thank you for being patient and tolerant. And, and we, appreciate your, we appreciate you listening to it. Speaking of the listeners, I have had people come to me uh, and say, you know, how much they, you know, they appreciate it, and they, and they listen, and they, get, and they get good things out of it, and that's what it's all about. We are here trying, really trying to help. Yeah, and I think I think that connection issue is is really for me is one of those big things. I've got a couple of moments, but Greg, is there any one or two moments that that uh, stand out for you that really were uh, uh, particularly momentous? Well, again, I think following up on Jay, guests have I think really been uh, we evolved up to the, having guests in a, they've really brought another dimension. You know, these guys are these people are really top-notch experts in their field. And I think that uh, it's, been, it's been enlightening and a lot of fun 
interacting with interacting with them. Yeah, you know, uh, I do interviews of diff all different types, and I do them on for this, obviously, the, the ones that we do here on every other Thursday. But we also do a lot of interviews on Seat Yourself, the other podcasts we have. By the way, that drops Monday night just to get that plug in. But we've done some other interviews, too, and, you know, done some, some real personal interviews. Uh, also, David Queensberry, Martin Hunt uh, on the designer side for uh, Tabletop Journal, Claude Pfeiffer. I just listened to that again this morning. Somebody uh, had made a comment on that, and I listened to that again this morning. And those things are really, really important. But I, a lot of times I get asked, well, what makes a great interview? And, and I have to tell you, the answer is, for me is a real simple one, and it's always an easy one. A great interview is made by a great guest. And the guests mean everything. And to, your, to echo your point, I think that one of the big turning points for every other Thursday in this past year for me has been the, the bringing on of guests. And, and particularly since all the guests that we've had really have been subject matter experts. They've really, they've all been different. They've all been great in their own way, but they've all been relevant to what's going on in food service and how we can help the food service industry, whether it be in marketing, whether it be in wine knowledge and the, in the sort of approachability aspect of uh, making wine much more approachable with Madeline. But if I had to narrow it down to one single moment, I would say it's when Bob Golden joined us and he was our very first guest. Jay, I know you've known Bob a little bit uh, less than uh, than Greg and myself, but Bob did such a great job of getting that whole that that whole aspect of every other Thursday launch. That to me was the if I had to pick just one moment when Bob came on, boy, he really he really took us off to the races. So uh, I'm really excited to celebrate the a year. Other, the other thing that I think is really really important, and we owe ourselves a pat on the back to some degree, because obviously this format and the three of us are making people feel comfortable, and you know. One of our guests, I think, and we'll, the person will remain nameless, was a little bit probably more concerned in the meeting, for whatever reason. When it was done, it was one of the greatest things that, 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 that they were involved with. And, and, and unless you've seen something I don't see, everybody that gets back to you, Dave, it's all with positive comments. And you know, would you come on again? Absolutely. That's fantastic. And our, go our goal is to bring relevant commentary and thoughts to our listeners and our, the guests that we've had on have just done a, uh, each one of them, all very differently, but each one has hit the ball out of the park. And I'm, re I'm really excited. Even a guy who, who on the, at least maybe on the surface, might have seemed a little bit, you know, where does he fit in? Chris Geertz, uh, who came on, who's got a sidecar app that's about ready to launch. If any of you haven't listened to his still, still in beta sidecar app or gone and seen it, you really need to check it out online. Chris Hertz, uh, Kiertz, I'm sorry. Uh, he's got a great app. He, he's real all about cocktails is all I've got to tell you. He's a if great guest. He was a fabulous awesome. guest. Anybody who's doing home bar awards, I'm in. I'm in on that. So, so cool. Sorry, we encourage our listeners to hey, go back and listen to these. Uh, and, and anybody new to uh, every other Thursday, go back and listen to these episodes. Yeah. On to this week's episode. Again, happy anniversary to you guys. It's been great. It's been a great year. But let's get on to this year, this week's episode. And uh, Greg, you've just gotten back from a big trip uh, down in the southeastern U.S. And uh, I you know, want our listeners to hear all about that. I want to hear all about it because I, I'm not I, I think I know some of the cities you went to, but I, I didn't, you know, we've talked briefly about it. But I want to hear where you went, what you saw, industry perceptions. And of course, we always want to hear about what you thought of the tabletop wherever you were. And the other part 
this is going to be the all Greg show because the other part of the conversation I want to have today is what the hell is going on in Chicago? Chicago on Friday is going to turn into uh, a different type of Chicago with all the changes that they've just been announced. So tomorrow, uh, I guess it'll be this. We'll, we'll uh, this will uh, podcast will drop on Thursday night, and so Friday uh, tomorrow is going to be a big change day for the city of Chicago and the restaurant business. So I want to dive into all that. But first of all, we got to get the general business again out of the way. And as everybody knows by now, every other Thursday is our 30 to 45 minutes or so podcast where we take on all these topics in hospitality and food service and the whole industry, in fact, in other related areas, too. And more and more, as we said earlier, we're doing it with really great guests, chefs, sommeliers, manufacturers, suppliers, even app creators, like I mentioned, Chris Geertz. And by the way, one more time, make sure you check out his still in beta sidecar app. It's going to be great. These guests, by the way, they're all subject matter experts and they're incredibly interesting. So if you haven't listened to some of our interviews in the past, uh, since uh, we started having this interview format in July, go back and t- you know, take some time and go back and check some of them out. I guarantee you, you will not be disappointed. It's really important that we continue to bring that relevant information, I think. And that's, the, that's at one of our core uh, values here at Every Other Thursday. And of course, this week's episode of Every Other Thursday is brought to you by Tabletop Journal. Tabletop Journal is where we celebrate the products, the people, the places, and the, all in the world of hospitality tabletop. So with all that out of the way, let's get this year one edition, this year one anniversary episode of Every Other Thursday started. This episode of Every Other Thursday is brought to you by TabletopJournal.com. For more than nine years now, Tabletop Journal has been covering the food service and hospitality industry, all the while raising the awareness of just how important Tabletop is to the overall guest dining experience. If you haven't signed up for Tabletop Journal's bi-monthly newsletter, it's simple and easy, and it's free. Simply go to tabletopjournalnewsletter.com. Now, back to our podcast. Okay, everybody, we're back now, and Greg... This great trip you went on across where you know where's Greg? Not where's Waldo, but where's Greg? You went down to the southeastern part of the United States of America uh, last week, and tell us where you went and let's let's go through the cities and what you saw there, if you don't mind. Sure, I occasionally take these trips, and uh, ostensibly the main goal is to look at food service, see what's going on, because there's no better way. You can, you, you can read about it. Can you say that again for your tax agent, uh, for your accountant <laughs> and the IRS? These are all write-offs? Yeah, yeah. Well, not so much anymore under the new tax code. But uh, yeah, no. you, you can watch, you can read, and you can watch, you can listen. And it's, there's nothing that takes the place of actually seeing what's going on. So, uh, Amen. Amen. So, so I started out in Savannah for a couple of days, Beaufort, South Carolina, Charleston. And then across South Carolina, up into the uh, Blue Ridge Mountains to Asheville, and then back down to Greenville. And just so everybody knows, I'm quarantined, self-quarantining, because in, in Illinois, if you've been to the Carolinas, you need to quarantine for 14 days. And I'm following, I'm following the rules. Everywhere I went, I saw a very lively food service scene. In both in, in Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, they, they, people are strictly following the rules of having to wear a mask as they walk into any establishment. And as they sit at the table, they uh, wear a mask. If they get up to, you know, use the washroom or for any other reason, they wear a mask. And uh, while dining, of course, they take off the mask. 
and the table seemed to be spaced, and I didn't see anybody complaining or balking at those rules. And virtually every scene I saw in every town, every place was, I'd say, full to act. And, and I was, and, and good, and good for them because of the more limited seating. Uh, one thing is that there, in a lot of places that you had to have a reservation. Others that said they did, I walked up and I was able to get in. Lots of great food, great hospitality, lively, upbeat. Not perhaps not as upbeat as you know pre-COVID, but uh, everybody seems to be having a good time and spending money. How was Riverwalk in, in Savannah? Was it busy? Oh yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was very busy. And this, you get the sense, you know. And I'd say most half of people wearing masks, but even those that weren't, everybody's trying to keep, you know. Right. Six feet distance. Everybody was, you know, kind of following protocol, well behaved, and uh, I, you know, I don't have it. I can't judge from what it would be this time of year, in other years pre-COVID, but just from you know visiting for the first time at this time of year, it was. I, I call it. I call it busy. And the weather was good, decent. You could be outside, no problem. It was, you know, it just happened to be above normal for this time of year. Nice. It was nice. seventy-five to the low eighties. Everywhere we went, it's sunny. And while here in Chicago, it's like, it's, you know, snowing. What about the differences between outdoor dining you saw and indoor dining? Every place that could was doing outdoor, was outdoor dining. And because the weather was so nice, it was... It was, uh, it was yeah, but what about the differences in actual service? Were there, did you notice anything? There, were, there was just nobody eating inside, everybody was outside. Did, was there a lot of bulletproof glass, this plexiglass around inside and on and on? I'd say outdoors was, it was uh, where, where it was available was busier, but I think that's just because of, you know, it was weather and it was more pleasurable. To be outside, I don't think anybody, I don't, my sense was it wasn't that they were outside because of fear. Safety of, reasons. Safety reasons. I just thought it was interesting. And, and here's just a, moving off that topic, but just a little tidbit. This is the kind of stuff that traveling around does for you. So one thing I did notice, and, and this is not a perfect research universe, but, but what I found is, is that there was a lot more prevalence of salt and pepper shakers. They pretty much disappeared here in the Chicago area, but down there I found I found salt and pepper shakers in a lot of places. Okay, now as a tabletop guy, I've got to ask the question: with a with a ceramic glassware or metal? For the most part, metal. For the, most ah. part. the other thing that they had uh, that you know most people would just take for granted and wouldn't notice, I guess, except for us tabletop guys, is that in many places. They brought you out a bottle of uh, still water, tap water, and they placed it on the table for you to fill your own glass. And they also had a, and it usually came with some sort of coaster or tray. I'm not saying that doesn't happen here. There might be a craft or something, but it's much rarer here. Were you seeing bread service back on the table? No, I did not. We're We're seeing that here. Oh, wait, excuse me, excuse me. Now that you mention it, I'd say, I'd say half the places Half the places did. And uh, the reason I, I, I said no immediately or originally is because these were like, uh, in many cases, the bread service at places I was at would be like cornbread or, yeah. you know, some sort of thing like that, as opposed to, you know. Dinner rolls or, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd say half the places did have it. Yeah. Did you eat at the Pink House in Savannah? 
I stayed across the street from it, and I wanted to go there, but I couldn't. Oh. It was, their, their business was so good yeah. that I couldn't get into the place. Did you talk to any operators at all along the way? Mm-hmm. Well, I, uh, that, you know, some managers and, of course, the wait staff. Yeah. And they all said that, you know, they said, yeah, you know, business could be, you know, better. And it, it, it has been in the past, pre-COVID, when they could fill up all the tables and everything. But they were said they they were busy. They were hot in most places. They were hopping, and they were very appreciative. You know, and, th- and this is all three states. You went to Georgia. You went to South Carolina, and North Carolina. Yeah. all three pretty similar. All, yes, yes, it's all, all very similar. People, with I think without exception, were all understanding about the rules. You know, the protocols put upon them. I didn't find an operator or anybody in the wait staff that was were complaining. They said, ah. Oh, you know, yeah, sure, we don't want to do this, and it's unpleasant, but we, you know, we understand why it's being done, and the patronage guests seem to all be complying. I was, I, I came away very happy with the scene. Yeah, I think, you know, I think in a lot of those places, the service is doing pretty well, because, I mean, a lot of people that I know, including us that go out, you know, everybody's tipping a little heavier. Not Maybe not everybody, but most of the people going out are leaving more than 20%. Yeah, but there's less. There's less people going out, though. That's the problem. Right, right. But at least they're trying. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I agree. One thing that I did notice, which maybe says in some areas they got to take a little bit of control of, but there's a couple of restaurants in our town that never did it before, but have the tip already included. Service charge. How much is it? About 15 percent, something like that. Hmm. So they're not they're not anticipating that you don't have to leave a tip. They're anticipating that that whatever tip you leave, that's going to be over on top of it. Well, that's yeah, because I mean they 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 don't even put on there, which I think they should. I think any restaurant that does that should indicate that, that, that to check that there is a, a pre-check tip in, included. But the problem is, is where I live, and there was one restaurant in town that kind of surprised me. He did it, but you know, in our town, people are pretty frugal. It was Pennsylvania Dutch. I mean, you know, I can't imagine someone going out to eat in this environment shortening somebody on a tip. Yeah. Greg, you went into some great culinary towns, obviously, and I know you did that by design because that's that's who you are. Some some great food and beverage towns. Uh, anything distinctive from the menu aspect, uh, the types of not not just the types of food you you start because that will be you choosing one type of restaurant versus another. But were the menus smaller in terms of their options? Uh, did you go? Did you notice a a reduction uh, um, in like entrees available or people make, making simpler? menu was there anything about the menus or or maybe even the cocktail menus that you mentioned you saw i think kind of the contrary i think that people are really operators are really kind of going out they're using the menu to draw people in these these tough times and uh, generally speaking i thought people were very you know very creative case in point uh, i was in greenville and some and they and they had you know a bowl for a lunch of gumbo gumbo and uh what they did just to make it a little bit different, you know how you know I mean, I, I'm a, I consider myself a gumbo gumbo snob. Lived in Louisiana a long time, and I, I, I seek it out. I think it's, it's a lot of fun. I enjoy it. Know a lot about it. Talk to chefs about it. You know how can you make it different? Well, there they uh, battered the cornmeal batter, uh, small pieces of okra, and then deep fried it, and then put that on top. So it's for a crunch. So I guess that's, I don't know if that's a good example or not, but it shows you that there's, and they just said that they had just recently brought that onto the menu. So 
there's still so they're adding items. That's the great. Point, yeah, the point I'm making is that they're in, in this time, people they're, they're trying to come out with new ideas, and uh, I got that sense in a lot of places that it was you know is the ubiquitous shrimp and grits. Well, I didn't know you could make shrimp and grits so many different different ways, and people are really you know trying to differentiate themselves. Yeah, I think I, I think that whole trend of uh, eat local, drink local, things like that, local brews from beers and distilleries, because, you know, it seems like there's a distillery on every corner now, too. So you probably saw a lot of local spirits, uh, local beers. I think that those trends uh, certainly come out of the food thing, too. And, and everybody's trying to eat local. And I, and I think that's really, um, you didn't know shrimp and grits could be done so many ways. I think that's probably a trend of that. Wouldn't you agree? I think, I think so. I think that, yeah. It, it, yeah. You, find, you find a platform that's popular, and then how can you make it, you know, yeah. That's one yeah. of the things that Pink House is famous for. I never had shrimp and grits what's the pink house? What's the Pink House famous for? Everything. It's one of the most famous restaurants in the Savannah. Yeah. Oh, okay. But there's shrimp and grits and another gumbo says shrimp that, Grits and the shrimp. I never had it, and the mm-hmm. server talked me into getting it. He said, "If you don't like it, we'll take it back and not charge you." It was unbelievable. Greg, I'm curious also about Greenville in particular because Greenville seems to me to be a, maybe an up and coming food and beverage town. Now I know they've got a lot of industry that's moved into South Carolina in that part of the uh, uh, that neck of the woods, so to speak, uh, with BMW just up the road in Spartanburg and all that. But Greenville is kind of a happening area, isn't it? Well, and it's an example to me of a metro area that's doing things right. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you know the story, but they have this river that runs through it, and it has these waterfalls and rapids. Uh, in the 60s, they covered it up with the interstate highway bridge. A number of years ago, the mayor got together with the organizations, and they had the, they had the uh, interstate highway moved. And all of a sudden, hey, oh, my gosh, there's this incredible... You know, riverway here, under you know that we didn't know that we are rediscovering, and it's really brought life to downtown. There's a park, there's beautiful parks along it, and and I was there three years ago, and and it's just breathtaking between now and then. How much building and construction there is, but they're safe, but they're doing it right as far as I can see, in that saving this parkland and these green spaces. Then shooting off from this along certain streets, there's these tree-lined streets that are just full of restaurants and you know, boutique retailers, and it's just a, a really there's a really nice buzz about the place. And I would like to see it, you know, without the COVID uh, shadow hanging over everything, and, uh, and we'll see what it's like. But it has been also also Asheville. I was there three years ago on one of my culinary tours, and it's unbelievable how much it's changed since in just those in just those three years in terms of new hotels downtown, new restaurants. Was Dollywood open? Is Dollywood's in in Asheville, isn't it? Dollywood. Yeah. No. Is that an Asheville? No. 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 Isn't it Tennessee? Tennessee Sevierville oh, or something. I'm like sorry, that. it's Gatlin. Pigeon Gatl- Forge. It's Gatlinburg Pigeon Forge. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. All right. We're going to take a break, Greg, uh, right now from all your uh, culinary travel tips. That's an added bonus for our listeners. I appreciate that. We're going to take a, a break right now. But And when we come back, I want to talk about your hometown, Chicago. And I want to talk about what the hell is going on there. 
So uh, we'll be right back with more of Greg's travel tips and Jay and Dave just hanging on for the ride. Back with you in a moment. This episode of Every Other Thursday is brought to you by TabletopJournal.com. For more than nine years now, Tabletop Journal has been covering the food service and hospitality industry, all the while raising the awareness of just how important Tabletop is to the overall guest dining experience. If you haven't signed up for Tabletop Journal's bi-monthly newsletter, it's simple and easy, and it's free. Simply go to TabletopJournalNewsletter.com. Now, back to our podcast. Okay, we're back, everybody, with our one-year anniversary episode of Every Other Thursday. Amazing. Again, one more time, guys, congratulations on a year. It's been, it's been a great ride, and it's getting better. What's not getting better, however is the restaurant scene in Chicago. And, and Greg, uh, as excited as I was to hear about your travels in segment number one, I'm nervous about what we're doing effective tomorrow, Friday, in the city of Chicago with restaurants. What the heck's going on? In fact, I think it's all Cook County, so it's beyond the... Oh, oh it's yeah. all Cook County, so um, it's... Okay. The governor, the way that I understand it, reading the papers, listening to the news, is the governor has said no dining in and establishments, it's been curtailed at only dine outside. And, and while that's going on, the mayor, Mayor Lightfoot, is asking for a reprieve, which is a lessening of those rules. So it's kind of a Pritzker, Governor Pritzker versus Lori Lightfoot dialogue going on right now. So I don't know where things are going to land. You know, we can argue all day long, you know, how much it's needed. But the fact is, if it happens, it's going to be catastrophic. I can't imagine that it won't be catastrophic for a lot of for a lot of restaurants. I feel I really feel we you know we talk about all these subtleties about how to improve your business, but but if you can't open your doors, is it's really kind of they're all kind of moot points. To that regard, I've got uh, I've been looking at a restaurant hospitality. By the way, if anybody doesn't read Restaurant Hospitality magazine, I think it's only online now. But if you don't read that, you really should. There's a couple of uh, writers that they have uh, that are just spectacular. But in any event, I, I, I'm going to read from them what they uh, say the restrictions include for bars and restaurants. Number one, no indoor service. Number two, outdoor bar services have to close at 11 p.m. By the way, all bar patrons should be seated at the tables outside. I can't imagine how that's going to play at 30-degree weather. And there's no standing or congregating indoors or outdoors while waiting for a table or exiting. By the way, this will affect you, Jay. No dancing or standing indoors. So you can't dance when you go out uh, indoors out there, Jay. And reservations are required for each party and no seating of multiple parties at any one table. Um, That just effectively kills, I think, the restaurant business in Cook County for a while, don't you think? I can't imagine any other outcome. And, you know, it's like I, you know, I'm just putting myself in, in uh, the governor's uh, shoes. You know, this is it's politically really, really tough. And I'm, I'm, and i got to believe he's doing it because he's talking to his experts. He believes that this is the best way forward. At the same time, like Lori Lightfoot, you know, she's saying, Look, we're gonna we're we're heading to economic catastrophe here. Do you believe? Do you think she believes that, or is she just saying that because she's got cover from Governor Pritzker? I, I have no insight. Mm-hmm. I have no insight My gut feel is probably a little bit of both. What what level of dining were they at before they closed it down? Fifty percent, twenty five percent, seventy five percent. 
I am going to plead uh, ignorance and that I don't know the percentage, but I know. Restaurant, yeah, restaurant hospitality is talking about they're limiting now. I don't know what the currently has been, but limiting gatherings and events and meetings and all that to 25 people or 25% of room capacity. By the way, Jay, another one that will affect you, no party buses. They're prohibited. But are they saying now they're shutting down indoor dining? You cannot indoor dine at all, or or can you do it at twenty five percent? Shut down. Okay, so so I don't understand that because at twenty no indoor service. Yeah, at twenty five percent, you can certainly social distance unless you only see two people in your restaurant. But from what I'm told, and people I've talked to that own restaurants, at twenty five percent, they're losing fifty percent less. At fifty percent capacity a, a well-run restaurant can pretty much break even but you know to limit it to nothing you know somebody ought to talk to mayor uh, like again again the, uh, the people at restaurant hospitality asked the, re- the illinois restaurant association and their ira international rest uh, excuse me illinois restaurant association contends that if you close indoor dining which they're going to do 20 percent of the restaurants that are still open will be forced to close permanently sure 120,000 jobs, poof, gone. Yeah, but 25%, if they could last six months, I mean, 25% might, you know, keeps them afloat for a little longer. 50%, they break even, maybe break even. But what she's going to do is, is it ought to be illegal. I mean, that's not even realistic. I mean, why not go 25%? It's, it's, you know, in I mean, Chicago, it's, you know, it's, it's gone a, it's a long, rough ride from being, you know, manufacturing city to an entertainment and service city. And I think that, uh, you know, I, I am biased, but I think it's a world-class restaurant town. And it's quickly, you know, it's just being decimated. You know, I, I, all I can do is sit here and say it's, it's just a, it's a shame. And, uh, and I'm no epidemiologist, so I don't know what the, what the, what the answer is. Either is the mayor or the governor. <laughs> the, one, the one thing that I will say is, is that you're right about everything you just said, Greg, Chicago is a world-class restaurant town. What it tells me is that post-COVID, and remember, folks, we are going to get through the pandemic. The COVID era is going to be in our rearview mirror, uh, hopefully very, very soon, but someday it's going to be. And when it does, you're going to see some of the greatest restaurants ever open up in the city of Chicago. I think it'd be like an explosion. Yeah, you know? yep. so I think, uh, I don't know when, and we, we've all thrown out our, our forecasts on all that, but uh, that's that's another subject for another day. But I think that uh, when this all happens, there'll be no city, maybe on the on the planet, that uh, had, does a better job with uh, inventing the restaurant business than the city of Chicago. A lot of creative, a lot of resilient people. When I think of restaurant innovation, I think of Chicago. You know, I mean, Chicago has really done a lot of this. There's just a handful of cities around the world that you think of in that regard. But Chicago is really at the top of the list, at least for me. And I'm talking about restaurants at all levels, from from uh, fast casual or fast food even, on the way up to uh, Michelin three-star restaurants. They're really a, a, an innovative city. Best big city in the country. It's always been my favorite. When is the national election? The third? Tuesday. I have a prediction. From the fourth forward, it'll get dramatically better. I don't know. That sounds like a political prediction. As much political. As so uh, anyway, with it all is. of that, we're going to hope for the best for our friends in the business out, uh, the food service and the hospitality business. Greg, it's been great hearing your travels down in the Southeast U.S. That's really helpful. And give you give people some uh, ideas where uh, maybe at least in this part of the country where they could drive to for great culinary food and beverage experiences. And again, we'll wish everybody the best in the city of Chicago. We'll wait and see how that turns out. So. We should all say a prayer for them. We should keep them up. 
of thoughts and prayers because I need it. One last time, I'm going to wish everybody a happy anniversary here, first year anniversary, one year. And any last thoughts, gentlemen, before we uh, close up shop today? You guys stay well. Greg, enjoy your quarantine. I hope you've got some good angels envy there. <laughs> Maybe Jay's, Jay's uh, working hard to become the local ambassador for Angels Envy. Oh, I'm going down. I'm, yes, absolutely. Best damn bourbon ever, right? It's Well, it's as good, it's as, good as my palate can appreciate because I've I don't care where you like. That's pretty Tito's. Good. Yeah. Tito's. There you go. And any suggestions we make at this point are, you know, in like in the Chicago area, seem seem so little. But uh, you know, takeout is still uh, an is an option. And uh, I've just been reading that you know that operators are looking for different takeout containers that make more sense. And and for all for all the operators listening who want to amp up their uh, takeout. Check out our Seat Yourself podcast because we've got some great cocktails to go suggestions there as well. I think anybody who's doing who's serious about takeout, and everybody needs to be, especially in Chicago, you need to have a, a cocktail part of that takeout component too because that's where the money is. Yep. So, okay, guys, great having you here. Happy anniversary. Stay safe on Halloween. I know you will. And uh, we'll be back uh, with next episode. By the way, just before we leave uh, real fast, our next episode, David Kramer. You say, who the heck is David Kramer? David Kramer is going to join us. And David Kramer is a chef instructor at College of DuPage out near your way, out in Chicago, maybe in Cook County. I don't know the geography out there so well. But David's a great guy. And I, I, I'd encourage you to uh, everybody to, to check us back. Uh, that will drop on November 12th. And we haven't done the podcast. But I'm very, very excited. He's got big chain experience. He's got married international experience. And more importantly, he's cultivating the next crop of great young chefs. And I can't wait to hear all about his thoughts. So, all right, guys. Stay strong. Stay safe. Stay strong. See you next time. This episode of Every Other Thursday has been brought to you by TabletopJournal.com. For more than nine years, Tabletop Journal has been covering the global food service and hospitality industry, all the while raising the awareness of just how important Tabletop is to the overall guest dining experience. TabletopJournal.com, where we celebrate the products, the people, and the places, all in the world of hospitality tabletop. You can learn more about Every Other Thursday by visiting our website, everyotherthursdaypodcast.com. Thanks for joining us today for this episode of Every Other Thursday.